Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Religion has been around for a long time. And it's been used in different ways, in different civilizations, at different times. Often, religion becomes a method for the government to control people, for the government to keep people in line. It was originally brought through the 124,000 prophets that Allah sent into this world, and it was a methodology for people to see, manifest God's love in this world and be able, by looking at that which is manifest as love, begin to bring that love into their own being and become like what they saw. What happened was that people tried to carry on what the prophets brought, but often the people carrying on what was brought were not at the level of consciousness as the people who brought it. So when their own self-interests began to interfere, change came to religions. And as opposed to being a path for men to understand themselves and to understand their Lord, it became another political power system. Sufism grew out in the time when religion had lost its way. And the understanding of Muhayyadeen came along as one who brings back the truth to the religion. The religions over time lose their integrity. They lose their power. They lost their truth. And the truth had to be brought back to them. The Mahayadeens were sent into the world. The Ketubs were sent into the world to bring back that integrity. The religions were already established. And there was no need for new religion. But there was a need to bring truth back into the hearts of devotees. And truth is beyond physical, religious procedures. Truth is beyond externalities. 
Truth is beyond the world of illusion. Truth goes to the heart of things. Truth goes to the essence of things. And Sufism became known as the essence of religion, the essence of the truth. And <laughs> Sufis stayed away from politics, stayed away from power, and stayed within themselves, trying to put themselves within their Lord. And that was their purpose. And this was the purpose that they began to convey to the people who would listen to them. They said, there's something beyond this political world. There's something beyond this material world. There's something beyond what the eyes can see. And this teaching is what is beyond that. So, to be able to understand this teaching, and to be able to grasp what this teaching is about and what it does, requires a lessening of our attachment to the physical world. You can't be attached to the physical world and simultaneously be involved in that which is the non-manifest world, in that which you can't see. If all of our reactions and all of our ideas and all of our needs we believe are satisfied by the material world, then we have no need for the non-material world. We can't begin to go there. So we somehow have to give up that which we have been brought up in our entire life. And what does this, the mechanism that does this, is the melting heart. When the heart melts, the point of view of the person with that heart changes. To exist in the world, there is a certain hardness. In the same way that this table is hard, physical things have a material nature to them. And when we involve ourselves with the material nature of those things, there is a material reaction to those things. They affect us emotionally, and they affect us psychically, and reactions come about because of that. When the heart melts, reactions don't come about as readily. As a matter of fact, our emotional response to the physical things within this world lessen and deaden and go away because the impact 
that these things once had on us dissipates. It no longer affects us. But it takes years to be able to walk through the world without being affected by the hypnotisms and magnetisms that the world of illusion is constantly throwing at us. In the early days of Sufism, the dervishes, the adherents to uh, a sheikh, lived in monastery-like situations. Uh, they were cloistered, in a way, from the world so that they could work on their inner self. Teachers would give them exercises to do, work to do, that was consistent with trying to separate ourselves from the illusory world. In today's day and age, these monasteries essentially do not exist. And we have to live in the world and simultaneously live with Allah. And this becomes more difficult because we're no longer cloistered. We're no longer separated from everything. As we walk through a day, um, we start with the morning newspaper, which is thrown on our front door or back door. And what's the newspaper deal with? It deals with all of the political, uh, social, sport activities that are going on in the world. And it gives them great credence. It treats them as if this was the ultimate reality. And they're so important that every day the newspaper has to update us on what happened in the last 20 or 24 hours. And without that, we can't know what's going on. If that's not enough, every radio you turn on and every television you turn on is constantly updating the news. And if you listen closely, no matter which side of the political spectrum you may believe in, you'll find that the different talking heads on television are always near a sense of hysteria as to what's going on in the political world. And the sense of hysteria never seems to decline. It's as if we're constantly in the most treacherous and dangerous of times. Now, having had lived for a few years already, I've noticed that this hasn't changed over the last 50 years. Um, and, and it's not going to change in the future. It seems that once one gets too involved in the external world, there's always a sense of hysteria. Why? Because we can't control the external world. And we have this internal need that says we need 
to control it. So as we understand that it's out of our control, and as we look for ways to control it, we become more and more upset, more and more fearful, and more and more hysterical. What's the answer to this dilemma that we find ourselves in? The melted heart. We need to surrender. We need to stop and try, we need to stop trying to control the world. And we need to be able to internalize all of our dilemmas, all of our fears, all of our traumas, internalize them and release them. Let go of them. Don't hold on to them. And when something melts, it doesn't hold on to things anymore. You know, if you stick a uh, piece of wood into a candle, the candle will hold that piece of wood. But if you light the candle, when it gets down to where the wood is, when it melts, that piece of wood will fall out. It's let go. Similarly, when we melt, we let go of all of the things that we've held on to. And until we get to that point where we let go of all of the things that we hold on to, we are going to continue to be in a state of fear, in a state of chaos, in a state of difficulty, and in a state where we try to control that which cannot be controlled. Stalin, Napoleon, Hitler, some of the big names in world control. What happened to all of them? They lost control. We can't control the world. We can barely control our emotions. If we can barely control our emotions, how are we going to control what's outside of us? So what's the solution? Don't try. Don't make it your object to control things. Don't make it your objective to control others. Don't make it your objective to push and pull the world. Let the world go and be satisfied with what you are and who you are and the gifts that you've been given by Allah. When you're in the presence of a holy man, some things become self-evident. And one of them is the absolute lack of desire. The fact that whatever's going on in this world, he is not very involved, or she. He does not seem to be swayed one way or the other. His focus is not here. His focus is with Allah. And if we are going to change from a physical being entirely involved in the physical nature of existence 
to a spiritual being that's involved in the qualities of truth and in the qualities of God, we have to let go of our physical attachments. We have to let go of the things that we hold on to in this world. You can't hold on to the world and hold on to God simultaneously. You have to let go of something. And God, in his mercy, has shown us how to be in the world so that our attachment is limited. He's given us the rules of what to eat. He's given us the rules of action. He's told us how we can interact with the world so that the influence of the world is minimalized on us. But if we don't follow these rules, if we don't follow these laws, then greed sets in. Then all of the qualities that arise from the satanic influence on the physical world happen to us and take control of us. So we have to learn to let go. One of the biggest and most difficult parts of becoming pure is to be able to let go of all of our conceptions of how the world is, how the world should be, what our place in it is, and what our place in it should be. Can we move forward without imagination? Can we move forward as a blank slate to allow Allah to show us the truth? Or do we have to imagine the truth before it can happen? Do we think that we are the knowers as opposed to the ones who are shown? We are a created being, created by our Lord, who loves us and gives us mercy and compassion. Yet, we try to make our own way. We try to force our own way. We try to create the world in our image of it, in our imagination of it. How do we give up that imagination and allow Allah to show us the truth? You can't hold on to all these pictures in your head and also see what Allah is bringing to you. You have to let go of them. And to be able to let go of them, you have to be not invested. If you are invested in the stock market, you look every day at whether it's going up or down and what's happening to it. And the fluctuations affect your internal composure. They, they affect your peace of mind. Well, if you're invested in the world, where if you're not invested in the stock market, you never look at the pages that say where the stock market is, and it doesn't matter to you because you don't have a vested interest. 
Well, if we think we have a vested interest in the world, we're constantly watching it. We're constantly looking at its fluctuations. And we're constantly affected by what's going on. So that newspaper that we get every morning means something to us. It affects our stability. It affects our state of being. How removed can we be from the illusory nature of the world and the constant chaotic fluctuations that the world goes through? We don't have benign holy rulers. We have men with vested interests running the countries in this world. And when you have that, you're going to have conflict and you're going to have difficulty. And if we follow these conflicts and difficulties, we're going to be affected and we're going to have conflicts and difficulties. We need to separate ourselves. Instead of creating a veil between ourselves and God, we need to create a veil between ourselves and the world. We need to open ourselves up to God and close ourselves to the world. And all of this needs to be done in moderation. All of this needs to be done slowly with patience. We can't expect things to happen instantaneously. If we do, we are going to go back to the old difficulties that we've had. Disappointment and fear that things won't happen. And that's why patience is so important in our progress. And patience is so important in our path towards reality. Things don't happen in our time. Things happen in God's time. And If you can release yourself to that kind of thinking, if you can release yourself to God's time, your own internal peace will be easier to achieve. So expectations as to what occur bring disappointment when they don't happen as expected. So expectations are an imagination. Expectations are a hallucination. We have to be able to move forward without expectations. We do things because they need to be done. We don't do things necessarily for the result. So if we don't do things for the result, but just because they need to be done, our relationship with everything is different. Now, today's world is very complicated. In the past, things were less complicated. You planted your garden and you had some results. Now, sometimes the results were great. Sometimes the results weren't. Sometimes there was famine, and sometimes there was plentitude. But we had to prepare, and we had to make ourselves ready for whatever circumstances were provided to us. And we had to be thankful in all situations. We can't just be the ones 
who say Alhamdulillah when there's plentitude. We have to be the ones who can say Alhamdulillah under all circumstances. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. All praise is to God. We have to find a place of peace inside of ourselves. We're not going to find peace outside of ourselves. And if we've seen the example of peaceful people, we have to imitate what it is that made them peaceful. And what, it, what some of the things that I've seen that make things peaceful are being in a constant state of love, being in a constant state of plentitude, being in a constant state of having enough and not feeling that we are somehow deprived. In my experience, I have found that victims are some of the most dangerous people in the world. They see themselves as somehow being taken advantage of, as somehow uh, not getting what they're supposed to get, they haven't gotten their fair share, and in response to that, they give themselves the liberty to do anything they want in the world. I've been taken advantage of. Let me show you what I can do. It's a horrible thing. Don't be a victim. And to not be a victim means learn how not to complain. Learn how to take what's given to you and accept it and move forward. So in our speech patterns, we should learn not to have speech patterns that are constantly complaining. The weather stinks. Um, the rain is too much. The rain is not enough. The heat is too hot. The cold is too cold. It is what it is. And we are supposed to adjust to it. I've given some very uh, simple examples. These things get much deeper. My wife does this. My husband does this. My friends do that. It becomes, uh, my parents do this. It becomes incredibly complex and complicated, our abilities to complain and our abilities to be not satisfied. We can breathe. And with that breath is life. And with every breath, there's another opportunity to come closer to knowing the truth. And no matter what our age, that opportunity exists. And we must allow ourselves that opportunity. We must allow ourselves to be open to what can come. And we can never think that the truth has passed us by. We can never think that what we've done has put us outside the realm of the possibility of integration with our Lord and knowing the truth. We have to be confident in his love and that his love will bring us to him. And we have to be confident that in surrender, he will protect us. That in surrender, he will lift us up. That if we give up to him, he will give up to us and take us to all the appropriate places in all the appropriate times. So 
let us look at the world and let us be able to see its illusory nature. Let us not be blinded by the lights and glitters of the world. Let us not be overtaken by the desire for this world. Let us be free. Let us be without need because our Lord supplies everything that we need. May our attitude be thus. May surrender come into our lives. May we come to a peaceful state where we see clearly as opposed to being blinded by the satanic influences that are all around us. Let them be around us, but don't let them touch us. Let us be free of them. Let us be only beholden to our Lord. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.